we're on 8th of February, Tuesday, and a good day yesterday. We were down, what, 70 at one point? 60, 70? Ended up down nine. So a rebound yesterday. The borders announcement was yesterday, was it? Yeah. yeah. Was that middle of the day? Is that why middle to the, to the end of the day. So, yeah. so all the travel stocks came flying into the... Right, because I, I think that is a, a significant announcement because I think one of the themes for this year will be COVID is over or was over and the world moved on and Australia is catching up with the rest of the world. Uh, anyway, overnight, Dow Jones not really doing anything, was up 235, was down 96, ended up one point. NASDAQ down a little bit, SPY futures were down a little bit this morning, but we're carried, I think, today by resources. BHP was up 3.5% in the US, Rio 3.7%, iron ore price was up 1.9%, Vale in the US was up 3.75%, so iron ore doing very well overnight and in our market this morning. Oil price didn't do anything, metal prices generally up, copper was down, and the interesting, or not interesting, but the other theme for this year, which is why I keep describing the market as grinding, is the 10-year bond yield, 1.93%. That's about the highest we've seen this year. And German bond yields have gone positive for the first time. Two years, you don't have to pay for the privilege to lend the German government money. Right, good. One of the major events this week will be the US CPI number tomorrow night. And the I notice overnight the chances of a 50 basis point rise in the US at the FOMC meeting on March the 16th actually fell from 33.7% to 25% overnight. And I noticed RBC in the US said the lows are in for the US market, which agrees with JP Morgan's recent comment that the market was being overly bearish. That's about that. Right, Tom, what have we got going on today? I feel like I'm going to sound like a bit of a broken record, but it is, again, all about results. Macquarie and Suncorp, the main results today. We have Commonwealth Bank half-year results tomorrow. I'll just some expectations around that cash profit of $4.4 billion and a $1.73 dividend is expected. Um, net interest margin pressure with all those competition headwinds as well. Macquarie this morning announced a record quarter in December, although not many numbers to gauge the magnitude of performance. Language was encouraging, even if it was coloured by that typically conservative stance. Uh, the market liked it early. It was up about 4%. Some call first half cash earnings were ahead of consensus, although down on the year on FY21, the half year result there. Natural hazard claims and lower investment returns. The culprit, the interim dividend was down, but ahead of consensus. So the market liked that. I think it responded well. It's up, up, it's up a couple of percent. Up a couple and of percent. Macquarie early. was up 5.5% early on. So yeah, I think it has drifted back a little bit, but two well-received updates there. One that hasn't been received well is Nanasonics, which is down around 15%, cutting sales guidance. It has results out on 22nd of February. Uh, on the economic front, nothing really that exciting. Weekly consumer confidence fell 1.9% to 99.9. 100 is the neutral level. So confidence a little smidgen less than neutral. We also have a NAV NAB, rather, business surveyor. ResMed is ex-dividend, and Leighton is also updating the dividend calendar every day. So make sure you pay attention to that if you're interested in dividends. And in the news, yeah, we talked about German bond yields. 
now positive and something I thought very exciting. Amazon is more than doubling the maximum base salary it pays employees to US $350,000. So I think I might be handing that resignation. Uh, very similar to Marcus today. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is the maximum I can tell. The maximum. Yeah, it might be a bit lower than that. Good, thanks, Tom. Uh, broker stuff, Leighton. Yeah, so just ANZ's results yesterday. It was pretty poorly received by the market at the start, but then it finished up okay. And it then, was down about 4 5 Yeah, but it finished down about 1.9%, I think, okay. so not too bad in the end. Brokers are pretty happy despite the net interest margin miss. The average target price is still 14% above the current price. Grain uh, Corp. And Quarry outperform and UBS buy and Credit Suisse upgrading. So I think they all saw some relative value compared to NAB and Westpac as it's trading at a bit of a discount to the rest of them. And I think as this correction sort of levels out a little bit, uh, the uh, banks will come off and they're all about to go, oh no, it hasn't gotten a dividend, has it? No. But CBA's got uh, results and dividend coming up. So I can see people trying to you know, snag some CBA for the dividend on the recent weeks. I did want to point out though, some of the ANZ discount is probably partly due to the fact that it takes a huge amount of time to get a loan approved. Krishna was even talking about it this morning, but back in December, Joe Aston had an article out in the AFR saying NZ took around 80 days to get a loan approved about 16 months ago now compared to the others, which was about two weeks. Well, I can tell you, someone in our family was buying a property last year looking for a mortgage. Uh, They banked with a high street bank and Macquarie came in and absolutely carved up their own bank on speed, willingness to deal with them, pay paperwork, everything. Uh, and they got an apologetic email back from their own bank saying, we'll try better. Macquarie, I think I had a, a, a picture in the weekend email of Quarry Pac-Man eating up the four little uh, <laughs> banks in the mortgage market, but that seems to be what's going on. Um, Grain Corp yesterday came up 13.6% on their results. It was a pretty mixed response this morning from the brokers, but Macquarie was really bullish with their target price, 18% above the current market price. So maybe they know something that we don't. Uh, but that's one of the things I'm writing about uh, today in the spy section is I'm going on a motorcycle tour uh, in March and the guy I'm going with is a, a guy who says ag- sells agricultural chemicals into the Riverina and it's clear that they are booming uh, in middle Australia agriculturally uh, thanks to rains. So we were worried that the rains had been so much we wouldn't be able to go on motorcycle tour. See what I mean? So this guy had a sensitivity to how well middle Australia and then you see the grain corp results Mm -hmm. so the obvious player there i have looked at the numbers and they don't look expensive but these are these are unreliable cyclical stocks but elders is the shovel maker in rural australia and they perhaps are uh, worth a look i'll have a look at that in the spy section today the other interesting one was new farm related they do fertilizers they had results recently and significantly outperformed as well so that whole space is is doing quite well at the moment Uh, i did talk elders yesterday by the way marcus oh you did okay maybe i won't labor it then i'll have a read your stuff and uh, well, it wasn't massively in depth. I just pointed out that the big winner has got to be elders out of all this because the agricultural dollars being spent on the back of New Farm and uh, Grain Corp are considerable. The other one that might be worth a look at is United Malt Group as well. The crop, that's the offshoot from Grain Corp. 
of the um, the craft brewing side of things with the malt. So right, I'll, I'll drop some numbers and stock box in there uh, today on that sector. I'm also going to be dropping in a few numbers on travel sector as well into the spy section. Henry, Henry's take today? Um, I just, uh, a couple of travel stocks that I know you won't talk about is Serco and SDR, which is Sightminder, which is owned by, um, got a big holding from Baylor which is trading at a big discount to its NTA. So that could alternate ways to play the travel sector that haven't really moved. Although Serco is very thin, it's up 5% today on about 1,000 shares. Apart from that, written a thing on Magellan. I got a question about Magellan yesterday on an email from somebody and uh, I've written an article today on Magellan and also on inflation as well about it really. But Magellan, obviously one of the big uh, talking points in the market yesterday. Good. Uh, Chris, I know you're busy on TV in a minute, but have you managed a technical comment today? I do have some insights. Uh, you're right on the call at midday with uh, Scott Phillips from the Motley Fool talking Qantas, which will be interesting following the borders open announcement, uh, but had some great feedback to my Manic Monday article yesterday. Thanks to everyone who wrote in. There was some people that wrote in said they found it very useful. For anyone who missed it, I was looking at each sector through the lens of GDP growth, inflation and interest rates and trying to give an assessment of where people might find some winners during reporting season and some sectors to avoid. And the bottom line of it all was to be overweight commodity link sectors in energy materials, as well as financials and healthcare and underweight tech and consumer discretionary names. So following that, it's nice to see that the technical evidence is such that it supports it. Banks have been showing up with RSI buy signals of late. Uh, there's a whole host of names on the trend following stuff. So that's the 3MA that I do. We've got BHP, Fortescue, Iluca, Origin, Rio, South 32. Another five or six there, check out the list, but they're all trending very, very nicely. We hold Champion Iron and Origin as trades at the moment. They're actually faring quite well. And then also confirming what we thought from the sector analysis on the downside as well. So Appen, Car Sales, Next DC, WiseTech and Zero all downtrending. So nice to see that that sector analysis is being supported by the actual uh, signals that we're seeing from those technical scans as well. Yeah, and the portfolios, I keep thinking, oh, I should buy something, I should buy something. This collapse it hasn't turned into anything. Everyone's going to buy anything. And there are loads of RSI buy signals, but then we, we already hold a lot of BHP and Rio yeah. and we're doing very nice. We're outperforming thanks to all that already. Yeah. Now your Manic Monday stuff, is this part of your top-down role in the funds management side of the business that you're reflecting Oriana, which is our consultant we use? Very good question. That's certainly where the analysis yesterday came from. But the whole idea of Manic Monday was that I would just outline what I saw were the key risks in the market. And the, the top paragraph led by saying the RBA is out of the way, Fed's out of the way. The biggest risk that we have at the moment is reporting season and hence the analysis that followed. So it's more the bigger risks, uh, and it just so happens that reporting season is the biggest one that I see at the moment. Right. Question of the day today, I'm going to try and keep our answers short, is if you were to buy a stock for your grandchildren, which I know is a common question, if you were to buy a lot of uh, buy one stock for your grandchildren, what stock would you buy, Tom? Well, please do pick me first, because I'm going to steal Chris's. It was mine anyway, is Macquarie. I think uh, the results today also sort of speak to themselves, but it's one of those businesses that will continue to do well and continue to make money and make money in almost any market situation. Was that a short answer, Tom? <laughs> 
Was it? <laughs> Short enough. Uh, actually, tell you the truth, I've always said the line with Macquarie, and I could say Macquarie as well. You're going to say Macquarie as well, Chris, Ben? You know, I, I, I well? can say Macquarie or I can give you something else if you want. Okay. I'll, I'll just say the reason I think Macquarie is great is because there are no other Goldman Sachs's or JP Morgan's in Australia. It is the one place that if you're a smart graduate wants to work, want to work in the finance sector, that's where you go, apart from Marcus today, of course, Tom. Uh, hence, they have collected 14,000 of the best brains. That's the number of employees. I'm sure they're not all smart. But 14,000 of the best brains with one job in mind, which is to make money. So surely that's got to be a good investment. You've got to think so. Anybody who is thinking of going to work at Macquarie, if they don't get a job, they go to work at the big four banks. So <laughs> top of the pile. Anyway, I'm, uh, do you agree with that, Henry, as an ex-Macquarie employee? I was there for seven years. So it's uh, it's hard to go past Quarry as one of those forever stocks, but it seems to be everybody's forever stocks. Don't forget that as a forever stock, it was 18 bucks during the GFC. So not without risk. It has got serious leverage. And my forever stock, uh, I guess, is going to be BHP only because it is pivoting. It is huge. It is transforming into a metals and mining company for the 21st century with a big yield. And I think Mike Henry is, uh, is on the right track. And I was going to say Macquarie, but it's such an obvious answer that it gets a bit dull after a while so it's good to try and look at other stocks i guess so bhp is my forever stock but i don't know maybe small caps is the place to go especially for um your grandchildren yes. they're going to be the ones that understand the new world not us Leighton, you're uh, a bit younger have you got a new world <laughs> stock for us no, it was the same as everyone. Macquarie, yeah. Yawn. Christopher? Definitely Macquarie. The way they've transformed their business to uh, the Mirror, the Macquarie Infrastructure and Real Assets Division, which is 75% of their revenues now. So regardless of what the market does, those assets will continue to perform. Uh, I think the answer to this question from me, I used to say by AFIC, which was Australian Foundation Investment Company, which ran a ASX 300 matching style. It's, it's supposed to be with brains, but really they just match the index with a decent yield. And I used to tell people that. Then the exchange traded fund market came along, lower fees and more accurate matching of the market. So I would say to someone thinking of buying their grandchildren something, why not buy yourself a compounding S&P 500 or ASX 200 ETF? Sorry. Triple, triple leveraged NASDAQ ETF. <laughs> or a triple Leverage, ETF. But the point about that is that we have as fund managers, as uh, Ben will tell you and I will tell you and Chris will tell you, we, we have really struggled with a compounding ASX 300 benchmark. As a fund manager, it's a monster uh, to beat. So if you were to put something, tuck money away passively, why wouldn't you uh, buy a compounding, uh, probably probably S&P 500, probably better than the ASX 200. Uh, the, the Australia is a remarkably boring country economically, but a compounding ETF would be where I would my grandchildren's money. I want to add to that too. For some of us, grandchildren timeline is very different to other of us and it might be 40 years away. So looking at an individual stock, you're banking on them being around for 40 years, which yeah. I don't know if there's a whole lot of stocks you'd be outside of the massive ones you'd be that confident in. So I'd be looking at something like an ETF, maybe in a theme that is going to be big in 40 years time, like a hack, cybersecurity, something like that. Good. Uh, okay, that's about that. Uh, well done, everyone. Thank you very much. See you tomorrow. Yeah,